But yesterday, big day on Stadium Court at the ASB Tennis Arena. It was finals day and Coco Goff became the seventh woman all time in Auckland. That's all time, including uh, prior to the WTA Classic of going back to back. Here's a lovely little step. The first woman to do it was our very own Dame Ruia Morrison in 1959 and 1960. The only woman to do it three times is Yvonne Gulagong calling through 74, 75 and 76, if my numbers are correct. Let me just double check. Yep, 73, 74 and 75. Anyway, David Long from Stuff joins me now. Hey, David, how are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks, Stephen. Um, a bit tired when you late nights have had over the last week. But, yeah, um, tell, no, t- tell me about it. Now, many are saying that last night's single semis final was one of the best that's played on centre court. I'm close to that. What do you think? Uh, I think it was definitely up there. Uh, I think Venus Williams against Caroline Wozniacki yep. in 2015, which also went three sets. That was another fantastic match. Um, it was it was certainly you know a fantastic final. I mean, often we've we've seen um, the stars sort of come through and win the ASB Classic um, over the years, but not often, uh, not too often have we seen two of the stars make it all the way through to the final. And I think that will help help made it so special last night that we had Fidelino and and Coco Goff, two incredible players there, and 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 a final that lived up to. Um, to the billion and with two sort of big name star players like that. Yeah, uh, what's your memory like? Can you remember the last time the top two seeds met in the final? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about the final because no one really gave Svitolina much of a chance on the back of her semi final where she'd had two medical timeouts for a lower back injury. But man, she's st- taking that first set, seven uh, four on the tiebreak. I was going. I, I felt right there and then the way she was playing, there was an upset on the boards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I counted up um, before the semi, before the final. Sorry, how many games each of them had lost uh, on the way to the final? And Coco was about fourteen, and um, Fidelina was like thirty-four. So just to um, show you how much extra that tennis that she she'd done during the week to get to the final. So and she when they're speaking to her after that semi-final. On the balcony on Friday night, uh, sorry Saturday night, she 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 uh, she was absolutely exhausted. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was, mm. you know there's a strong chance she's not even going to be able to make the final. She was she was so um, uh, worn out and yeah. her body was you know breaking down like that. But then to come out like she did uh, and and play so well, it, it just shows incredible um, spirit that she's got and a fighting tenacity. She said some interesting stuff um, in the press conference last night that she she's inspired by what's happening, um, people fighting for a country back in Ukraine, and that's a, that's a really big thing for her, yeah. um, and it you know, motivates her that she can sort of, you know, hopefully sort of give people a bit of, a bit of light in uh, during these tough times over there by, by watching her play. Um, and obviously that was disappointing that she couldn't do it for, for them, but, uh, it was, you know, it was an incredible performance in Svetlina that she just keeps fighting, she keeps on going. And it was also actually good to see um, Coco Goff push, because it's, it's been... Like it's you're watching one of the obviously one of the best players in the world, but it's pretty. I don't know Monday might be a bit too strong, but when you see Cesar wins six one six one every yeah. single match, you know it's just it, you know there's not that jeopardy in it. There's not that, you know it's all predictable, and and to see a person to see Coco have to dig deep like she hasn't done in the last two years at the ASB Classic was was something special to watch as well last night. Were you surprised by the seven double faults she uh, served up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's been serving really well. Um, all through the tournament, and it was 
she was serving the double faults at crucial times as mm. well um, last night when she was uh, five three in the first set. She served a couple then, and then again in that tie break in the first set, she served another one then. It's very unusual to see her like that, and you just wonder. You know, she doesn't seem to be someone who who uh, struggles under pressure. But it was a memory. There was a bit of that last night that um, um, coping with the with the big points uh, on her serve. Where do you think Coco Goff got her in the end? Do you, A, think she just was fitter having had only four and a bit hours on court over the whole tournament, whereas Svitolina had a little over eight hours? Or was it just pure class and banging to stay in the fight and grind Svitolina down? Yeah, I think so. Just to stay in the fight and grind it out. I mean, you know, and you come down to one, one break of serve in that third set. And that was the whole match, really, you know. Um, and if, if Selena had held, then, um, you know, the, the match could have gone to a, a third set tie break because it was also really impressive. I don't, I don't think uh, Selena ran out of steam. I mean, the third set was some of the probably the best quality that we saw yeah. the whole match. Neither, neither player dropped serve. It was, it was incredible tennis that they were still, uh, still producing at that time. It didn't get sloppy. They didn't look tired. Uh, you know, and it just came down to one, a couple of points, really, and that eighth game that uh, determined the match. Did you feel it was a final that the tournament desperately needed? Well, one crucial thing for the tournament is that, uh, you know, Stephen, is that the, the WTA rules for a WTA 250 tournament, which is a classic, is that the top 10 player can only um, play at the tournament unless, if they're, sorry, if they're the returning, if they're the defending champion. Um, and so they really needed one of these uh, players um, to make it to the final because Coco she'll actually drop down to number four in the world rankings after uh, winning last night um, but she'll, she'll be in the top ten you know for, for yeah. all of this year But and you can certainly see Fidelina getting into the top ten on the way she's going to come back so it, you know it gives it gives Nicolas Lamperin the opportunity to get Coco back for a third year uh, if Fidelina won he gave her the opportunity to that you know what, what he didn't really want would have been um, you know two two lesser light players in the final and then, um, you know, be scrambling around for, for his big superstar for next year's tournament. What did you think of the standard all week in the singles? Um, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was very good. Yeah. I was very, I was very impressed with, uh, Emma Navarro. I thought, uh, she, yeah. she, she was, um, you know, quality. You can see that she's going to be a player. Um, he's going to make a, a jump up higher up the rankings this year. She doesn't get any sort of publicity, uh, in America, you know, especially compared to uh, to Coco or the, or Jessica Pagula, she's um, she's well behind them. She's um, uh, she's only 22, but uh, you know, I, I thought she was very promising as well, and I expect expect uh, you know her, her to jump up as well this year. But I, I think um, we weren't too many really dud matches. I think Amanda Anisimova uh, that was very disappointing yeah. about how she was in her second match after she looked. Uh, looked so good in her first match against Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, who's a you know is a quality player in herself. Uh, maybe that was the only disappointing match of the whole. whole did did, did, really, I did you like what you saw of Radakanu uh, coming coming back to sort of trying to f- find her feet again, and also what the return of Wozniacki? Not that it's her first return, but her just getting back into the groove. Yeah, that was. I mean, Radakanu. Um, Radakanu's. Uh, well, I thought she was outstanding mm. as well. Uh, very, very rusty in that first match, and she couldn't get the job done against a player that you'd expect her uh, to put away quite easily. Um, and uh, if she had lost that match, you know, the critics would have been out saying, you know, she's such a, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, a flash in the flash in the pan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
But then we had that fantastic match that she had against... Um, Svetlina. Uh, so, yeah, and it, it was, again, one of the highlights of the, of the tournament. The first two sets of that were just, just breathtaking, breathtaking oh. tennis, really. And it was such a shame that we never really got to see much of Caroline Wozniacki. You know, she's given so much to this tournament over the years. And then, and then to get the draw that she did first round, it was, um, it was, it was a real shame, really. And, um, but, you know, she made such an early exit. Got to win. That's all it's about. You got to win. Now, I thought right up until the final that the doubles really didn't set the crowd on fire. In fact, I was pretty disappointed with the crowds not really getting into the doubles. Did you sense that? Well, the first two nights they had these um, incredibly long um, one sessions for yeah. for the for the day. So you had uh, four doubles, four singles matches, and then a doubles. And then I could be a bit from one o'clock, and then still still be there at ten o'clock at night for a doubles match. I think was asking a bit too much, and they might need to tinker around with that. Um, but uh, some of the other nights, I thought it was it was okay. I think when when Erin uh, Routliff played her quarterfinal match, it, w- it wasn't bad. But yeah, it, it's just, it's like I understand why um, they put the doubles match on on last six days to try to sort of make sure that you get a Kiwi on centre court um, and this you know issue with the world feed about they, they unfortunately they, they have no interest in doubles whatsoever. So. Um, uh, so it's tough to tough to manage the schedule and still have the, the stars on there and still include the New Zealanders in the doubles. Um, yeah, slightly disappointing with the crowds for the doubles. I don't know if it's right. Uh, I think it, you know, again tonight we've got Marcus Daniel playing in his, his um, 94th, his 94th <laughs> open. I thought he'd done. <laughs> I, I always thought he was done. Well, he had a really bad surfing injury about two years ago and. Um, Took him a very long time to come back from it. He had quite a few setbacks on it, um, but he's going to give it one more year. Well, he's one more year. He's targeting the Olympics to play with with Michael Venus again, um, and that will I think that almost certainly will this will be his last year um, as a pro. You know, he's very very busy with his charity work uh, and uh, that he does has a pretty um, handy partner in Ben McLaughlin, who's won the doubles twice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, outstanding partner to pick up with with Ben. Um, I mean, when I was chatting with Marcus a couple of weeks ago, he said he's going to have to sort of jump around with partner week to week over the next few months until he sort of gets his ranking up high enough and sort of can establish a partnership with someone else um, for a while. But that's going to be tricky because once people pick a partner at the beginning of the year, they usually stick with them at least until Roland Garros. Um, but he'll do that, you know. And um, he, uh, Marcus is a great doubles player, and I'm sure. You know, he'll be focused and um, and ready to play with with Mike at the at the Olympics again. Do you give KP Pano a chance to make the second round? Uh, I think it's going to be tough. Um, uh, it's always such a big a, a big a big jump for these for these New Zealand guys to um, to go out there and play. I saw him when he practicing on centre court yesterday with um, Ajit Rai. He looked pretty good. Um, uh, I think his fitness. Last year when he played Richard Gasquet, um, I think he got a bit shown up yeah. in terms of his fitness. That he was he was pretty exhausted by the end of it. And you know, playing someone on a uh, ITF fifteen thousand yeah. or twenty five thousand, um, you know, the level the level of intensity and physicality in a match like that, to go, and compared to someone like Gasquet, you know, is a massive difference. And, and Jack Lautit said that yesterday as well. That that was something that. Um, that he he found tough was going up against uh, Alex Mickelson, you know, a top hundred player, and doing that. Um, it's, it's a big jump, but you know, um, KP you know, had produced um, some some great results last year. He were in a fantastic run at Washington, 
uh, when he made it through qualies and into the second round, I think, of the main draw. He hasn't sort of kicked on much no. since then, um, which is disappointing because, you know, I thought that, hope that that would be the start of something big for him. But he has been having injuries as well a lot this year. So, um, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a key player for tennis New Zealand now in terms of the Davis Cup team, hopefully. So, um, you know, let's, let's, let's see how it goes for him tomorrow. I'm looking, I'm looking at the draw going, who wins? Uh, I mean, Cam Norrie, Felix Oja, Elias Sima has been, been given. They've, they've got, you know, buys into the second round. I'm hearing Ben Shelton's got one of the biggest forehands going around along with the serves. Uh, then you've got two former champs, and Bautista Agu, who was the 2016 champ, and you've got the reigning champ, Gasquet, here. From what you understand, of what you may have seen around on the training courts, I mean, who, who wins this one? Is it, is it that open? Uh, I think it is. I think it's quite interesting because um, we've seen quite a few players in it who haven't been in fantastic form um, sort of coming into it. Well, someone picked up towards the end of it. But guys like uh, Felix Auger, Aliasim, and Cameron Norrie, uh, a pretty ordinary end to um, 2020, 2023. Um, Cameron had a, uh, had a good win um over Alex Dimonor in uh, Perth last week, but um, he, you know, he had a bit of a poor year, and so did Felix. Um, Shelton is an interesting one. He he either does incredibly well or he does terrible. He, he um, like he he had a fantastic run at the Australian Open last year. He got to the quarters and he got to the semis, obviously at the US Open this year. But he had so many other tournaments where he'd lose first or second round. Um, so he needs to get that consistency up um, of being able to. Um, you know, to go deep week after week, I think you know that's the difference with guys like Alcaraz or Djokovic or you know the, the, the guys who sort of get to the top and stay there for a while is that they they consistently um, go deep into tournaments each week. And we haven't yes. we still haven't seen it yet from Shelton, but um, you know he's getting a bit mature. It's his second going to be his second year on the tour, so maybe that will happen for him. Is the is the Joker in the pack uh, the returning Denis Shapovalov? Well, uh, again, well, he hasn't played since Wimbledon, you yeah. know. Um, so again, you know, he had, again, he's another one who had a pretty ordinary. Uh, well, he's coming away from three. injury too. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He burned him. I mean, he's again. It's he, he burned himself out really in terms of you know uh, need playing injured for so long, playing injured for so long, yeah. and not giving himself a, a chance to have a rest. You know, trying to trying to sort of play through it and hope to find some form again. Um, but he's been down here for a week now. It, it's been a quite an um, eventful time for him, you know, thinking he was going to play qualifying on Saturday morning up until Friday night, and then told he actually had, did have a, a wild card for the main draw. Um, so, yeah, so certainly um, Dennis is in there with a shout. He, he, you know, he's, he's always been popular as well at the OSB Classic uh, ever since he's, he's been here a couple of years. Never done that fantastically well, but, um, you know, it definitely is a crowd favourite. And the good thing, actually, that, that Dennis is that... Um, uh, I remember when the first time he came here, um, he had, uh, he went around after he lost his match. He went around and spoke, went to see loads of volunteers and officials and shook, shook their hands and said thanks very much, um, mm. thanks for looking after me and helping me. And, nice. and, then, and I asked him about that. And I said, and she said, yeah, I've done that since since I was a kid. I, I think I've always been taught that to be respectful and to think that thank the volunteers after the tournament and the officials because you know they're doing a great job. So I, and I continue to do that now. To, go around and thank everybody, which is a nice touch that someone 
um, you know, of his stature still goes around and, and remembers the, the people who help out yeah. in the tournaments like they do. Completely, mate. We love good human beings. I get that same feeling from uh, Coco Golf as well. Uh, final thoughts, Raf, out of the Australian Open. Yeah, well, um, it's obviously it's sad, but um, if, if you know he's desperate to play one more um, one more year, and you know he's been up for a whole year, and for this to happen now is it, sad. I don't know. I guess um, you know for him to try to get to Roland Garros again because that's obviously been a special place for him, yeah. but. Maybe it is time to just sort of face the inevitable and think that your, your body's not going to be up for it anymore and, and, to, and to hang up the racket. Um, we all get old, Dave. We all get old. <laughs> yeah, we do. That's, we how, do. that's how it rolls. Hey, mate, uh, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with me and giving your thoughts on the women's and the men's women. Have, a, have another lovely long week, won't you? Great. Thanks very much, Stephen. Yeah, you're more than welcome. 10.23, David Long from Stuff, their tennis expert, their guru on tennis and telling us just what went down. So if you want to know what is going on today, because today is the opening day of the men's singles. So they start at midday on uh, Grandstand. That's the outside court. You've got Alexander Vukic and Taro Daniel on centre court. Daniel Eitmeyer, who's German against uh, Marcos Giron. Uh, centre court is followed by JJ Wolf, a young American against Frenchman Luca Van Asch. Actually, no, I think he's Belgian, excuse me. I think the French flag and the Belgian flag are pretty similar. I always get that caught up. Uh, then the third match on centre court is uh, Christopher Eubanks and Botic van der Sandschlup. Get that one up here. Uh, and then there is a. <laughs> I know. You've got to love tennis, man. You've got to love international sports, but you've got to take your time as well. So they've got that's the day session. The night session starts at 6 30. And it's got uh, Fabian uh, Marotzan against Gail Monfie. And as David said, uh, the Kiwi duo of Marcus Daniel and Ben McLaughlin playing Marcel Granolas and Horacio Ceballos in the first of the doubles first round matches. So that's what centre court looks like. Oh, by the way, the other grandstand matches are Alexandre Muller against Benjamin Bonsi and then Alexa Mickelson, who got rid of uh, Kiwi uh, qualifier. Jack Lauter against Nuno Borges. So there's a lot of tennis on day one of the 2024 ASB Classic and the men's draw. It's 10.25. Speaking of the men's draw, we'll talk to KP Panu shortly.